I know you don't know me, but I love you. I'm praying for you, and I want you to know that you can get through this. You are someone special and a blessing. So remember that God's got you, and you got this. People need people. You know, God created us not to be just in inward. He created us outward, you know, to love on other people, and we don't see other people's trouble, even in our churches and stuff. We don't always see it because we put a good smile on our face and those who are in the community kind of pass by. Life is happening to us, so sometimes we get a little busy. You know, God calls us to love people as ourselves. If I can't love even the lowest of people, what does that say about loving myself? Even outside of the church, there's always organizations and groups that are going to help the homeless. Um, and as much as I would like to be able to be a part of it, I make excuses. So I got involved with Lizzie's Pocket Change from uh, a mission trip that I had taken with the church to Williamsburg, Kentucky. One of our objectives there was to help at a homeless shelter. And I took for granted that that same level of poverty and, and need that's there is also here. Um, it's just that it's more familiar here. When I came back and was talking to Carol about it, she had mentioned to me that Carla had a homeless ministry. Carla's been doing this as a child, and God has really placed it on her heart. And I mean, as early as two, I think two years old was the one that I can remember the most because that's when she was like, well, we gotta go buy a soda for this person. And then she was like, well, they still need this. And she made me turn, I kept, getting in the car, starting it up to leave. And she said, no, God still wants us to turn around. And then she gave her change out of her pocket. And that's kind of how the name developed over the years, because she would always give what she had, whether we had it or not. And a lot of times, we didn't have it. God has called me to like help people. And like he wants me to talk about God. but. It's not easy for me to do because I know sometimes people won't take it the right way or it's just hard for me to talk to people in general. But as long as I help in some way, I feel like I'm doing what he's asked me to do. Lizzie's Pocket Change Ministry is something where we fill up bags with necessities and everything that they need with food and water to change and give them out to people in need. And we try to get to know people and write personal messages so that they know that somebody out there cares about them. When she approached and said she wants to do it as a full ministry, she just came up to me and we were already giving out bags and everything and she's like, mom, more people need to be involved, more people need to do this. And I was like, okay. I am one of those parents like, okay, if you say you wanna try it, let's go, let's go for it. Let's not give up because I believe that if you take a step forward, God will meet you where you are. Well, I don't like to see anybody struggling, and I like to see people happy. As long as you have something that you like to do or enjoy and love, it doesn't have to be super big, it doesn't have to be grand. It can just be super small and it'll grow and it'll help other people be able to love more people. There are a lot of families out there, and they're on the streets, and life is happening to them. And that's where we step in. Lizzie's Pocket Change Ministry is there to just come alongside. We try to get to know everyone that we talk to, and we try to ask them their name, take some time with them, because time is the most precious gift that we have, and you can never get that back. So that's the most sacrificial gift that you give to somebody else. 
the most important thing we do is get take time to get to pray with them. So we pray over the bags, but we also pray for each person that we try to encounter. It inspires me because at 13, she's doing what I at 43 struggled to do. Um, and that is her heart is for the people. And not only just to say that she would like to help, but she actually did it. When I look at Carla, I see God's grace, God's love. As a single mom, that can be kind of hard to, to translate. Your father loves you. And I tell her, the way you love people, that's God showing that he loves you too. If you can only give out a hug a day, give out a hug a day. If you can sit by somebody that just looks like, even if you don't say a word to them, your presence can and will make a difference in somebody else's life. There is nothing too small for you to get started. And you can encourage and change somebody's life. You may never get to see it, but they will love on somebody else. Amazing, amazing. That is one powerful pocket-sized message. How amazing is it when we see love like that transform a person, a situation, or even the world? That's Carla or Lizzie who attends our Anderson campus who's already winning her world by just sharing the love that's been given to her. We hope that everything that you see, feel, and experience today helps you understand two simple truths. One, that we love you so, so much, but way more importantly than that, we hope that you know and feel that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. I know I'm not the first one to tell you, but can we just celebrate together? Happy Easter. What an amazing day when Jesus rose from the grave to offer us salvation. Thank you so much, Jesus. We want to welcome you to Faith Promise Church. If you're live at one of our campuses, if you're at a coffee shop or at the gym, we are so glad you're with us. Or if you're at one of the four prisons who are experiencing Easter services this weekend, we are thrilled about what God has done and what God will continue to do. Now, most of us have been impacted, even transformed by love. I know me, I've been impacted by love in so many different ways and examples in my life. I have my parents who loved me when I didn't deserve it. They were amazing to me. I have my amazing wife, Rachel. We've been married for 11 years this year. And even a different way, my kiddos who've loved me and transformed my life by how we love each other. Now, maybe this hasn't been your experience. In, in a world that's increasingly struggling with questions of what is, and these questions of what is seem to be multiplying. What is marriage? What is life? What is gender? What is identity? Even what is truth? But what if all of these questions, what if all of these arguments, what if all of this hatred and division and, and condescension, what if all of that is really a cry from the heart of humanity asking the most important question, what? is love. What is love? We daily hear from the right and from the left, from Instagram and from TikTok, 
from our own feelings, really from everywhere around us, it feels like we're getting these questions. We ask ourselves, who will I love? But we also ask ourselves, who will love me? And can I just tell you, you are not the only one asking yourself these questions. Everyone who has ever lived, no matter what front they put up, has asked themselves these questions. And can, can I tell you, no matter, regardless of what questions you're asking yourself this weekend, and we've all come in asking ourselves some sort of questions, I just want to tell you, I'd like to talk to two specific groups of people today, and everyone falls in one of the two groups. First, I'd love to talk to people who believe and have already accepted God's terms of love. Now, we find God's terms of love all throughout Scripture. We find them all throughout the Bible. But on Easter, it feels fitting that we would look at Jesus' definition of love. The, uh, John, who was one of Jesus' best friends, he's actually called the disciple that Jesus loved, remembers Jesus teaching about his outlook on love on John, in John 15. And this is what Jesus said. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says that love is sacrifice. Sacrificing for others, putting others before yourself, laying your life down. Hey, Christ follower, again, you're the first group of people I'd like to talk to, so lean in. On this Easter, when we celebrate Jesus' sacrificial love, on this days where we are more intentional than most days to rearrange our priorities and our life, at least to come and gather as a church and to worship, on this day, can I ask you, how are you doing with loving people the way that Jesus defines love? Not like the world defines it, not like our feelings define it, but as Jesus defines it. Christ follower, we are gathered to celebrate that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to offer us a relationship with him that we could never earn on our own. But what about our lives all the other days? Church, Christ follower, man of God, woman of God, how are you doing when it comes to loving people the way you have been loved by Jesus? God is calling us, God is calling you and me to a world-winning purpose through his love. Can I just tell you, hundreds of people will be saved today for the first time. But I pray that there are thousands of Christians who are sent on mission to win their world and to live out their God-given purpose by loving other people with the same love that we have been freely, freely given. Can I give you an example that's really impacted me? About a month ago, I got an email from a young lady on a Monday. So after our weekend services, I got an email. And in her email, she told me that her husband was going to leave her. And not because of anything crazy or like an affair or finances. He just said he didn't love her anymore. He was asking one of those what is questions. What is love? And he felt like he didn't have it in his marriage. And I emailed her back, and I promised that I would pray for her. And we had one of our pastors reach out to her that day and started walking with her. And I also asked her if she would find me the next weekend so that I could pray with her 
personally. At our last service, our 4.30 service at the Pellissippi campus, it's our fourth service of the day, I see a young lady walk in. She has two little kiddos uh, and, and what I guess would be her husband. And she hands her husband the kids and they walk one way and she comes up to me and, and I'm just greeting people in the lobby. I'm like, hey, how are you? And, and I've never met this young lady before. I'm like, hey, how are you? And, and she just shakes her head, not good. And I see tears start to well up behind her glasses and she told me her name. And I realized it was the young lady from the email. And her husband had told her again that day that he didn't love her and he had planned on getting divorce papers that Tuesday. And we prayed together in the lobby and then the music for the service started. So we both walked into service and I walked up front to worship. And this is my fourth worship service of the day. The same songs every service, but this one was different. I begged God during every note of that worship for that marriage. I don't think I sang one word that was on the screen. I was on my knees begging God what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 where he said, what you have joined together, let no man separate. And I was begging God for that marriage and I was begging God for that family and I was begging God for those kids and I was trying to beat the devil off of that family with every swing of the sword of the spirit that I could muster, that I could think about. I'm telling you, I was desperate. And the next, that next Monday... In my prayer time, I was so convicted. Why was that service so different? Every service that I walk into, there's marriages barely making it. Every time I go into Kroger, there's people who are thinking about suicide and divorce and anxiety and depression. Every time I go into Starbucks, every time I'm dropping my kids off at school, why was I so burdened there and not every other moment of my life? And then the more I prayed, the more I got burned for our church, faith promise. How well are we doing to fight to love people? And then I got convicted for our nation, Christians, Christ followers. How well are we doing in leading the way in loving people and showing them God's love? Today, right, we want people to repent for their sins for the first time and give their life to Christ. But there should be more people who repent from their lack of of desire to win their world to Jesus by loving people with the same love we were freely given. Actually, can we just get a little crazy on Easter? I think there's ever a day for Christians to get a little crazy. It'd be Easter. It'd be the day that Jesus kicked that, yeah, I can do it in the suit. It's stretchy, right? It'd be the day that Jesus kicked that tomb wide open, right? I think it would be today. And can we just repent right now for not loving people the way that Jesus has loved us? And you might be thinking, hey, I brought somebody today who is a sinner, and they're lost, and they're the ones that need to repent, right? Well, hey, in a world where Christians are more known for what we hate, in a world where Christians are more known for what we're against, what a better way to help people who are still trying to figure out if they want to begin to follow Jesus? What a better way to show the difference in God's love than to see believers stand, uh, repent, and commit and submit to loving people the way that Christ has loved us. Christ Father, can I ask you, are you loving people like Jesus loved you on Easter? Giving up of yourself, sacrificing of yourself, loving others regardless of what they've said, what they've done, how they voted, how they've posted. Hey, listen, let's just, let's just get there. Let's just do it. If you would say that you feel like, hey, you know what, I'm a Christ follower, 
And I need to repent for not loving people around me the way that Christ loved me. I need to repent. I need to apologize. And I need to reorient my life around loving people the way that Christ has loved me. Let's just get crazy. At all of our campuses, online, I just want, if you want to repent today and reorient your life, I'm just going to ask you to stand. If you're, well, if you're at a campus, if you're at a coffee shop, I just want to ask you to stand. If you say, hey, I'm going to reorient my life. I want to repent. I want to commit and submit to doing that amazing. I want you to look around all of our campuses. This is plenty of people to see revival. This is plenty of people to see schools and neighborhoods and our nation absolutely radically transformed. Will you just put your hands out and pray with me? God, right now, we just come to you and we repent. We repent for not loving people like you've loved us. God, to repent, it's not guilt-ridden, it's not, it's not condemnation, but God, what it is, it's turning our head away from whatever idols we've been serving and turning it towards loving you. And so God, we repent and apologize, whether we put ourselves before you, or whether we put our comfort, our, our hobbies, our money, our whatever, our reputation, our career, whatever we put ahead of loving people and loving you, God, we repent. Jesus, you said that you came to seek and save that's what, what, that which was lost. God, and you put us on that same world-winning mission to seek and to save that which is lost. God, we repent of not loving people. God, the one thing that we can't do when we get to heaven because of your sacrifice, the one thing we can't do is share our faith. The one thing we can't do is love people far from you. So, God, right now we repent. God, I pray that all these Christ followers standing, God, that we would be put on mission. God, we love you. We're surrendered. Let us see revival. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship God, and you guys can have a seat. Praise God that we get an opportunity to do that. If you're not plugged in somewhere that's going to help you love God, love people, discover your purpose, and win your world, you are now. Make this your purpose. Make this your church. Make us your family. Families are weird, and we're as weird as they get. You'll fit in great, okay? And you may think, hey, what would it look like for me to join, to be a part of this, for this to be uh, my purpose and my church and my family? Well, we do something every week called Next Steps, just to help people know what we're about. And it's next Sunday at 6 o'clock, and we have dinner and child care for you. And just let me tell you, just, just right up front, your God-given purpose is our passion. It is what matters most to us. So please know that we want so much more for you than we want from you. And we want to put our money where our mouth is when it comes to a statement like that. And we have a gift for you. If, if you come here all the time or if you're only coming this one time because you were, you were, you were you know, just bribed to come, which is fine. But if you're only coming this one time, we still have a gift for you with no strings attached. We know that one of the biggest stressors right now in life, in marriages, in relationships are finances. And so the generous people at Faith Promise, it's, it's a big expensive gift got you something called Ramsey Solution. It's for everyone in attendance today. And what comes with it is Financial Peace University, the Every Dollar Budgeting App, the premium version, uh, unlimited Q&A and coaching sessions, free federal tax filing just in time for April 15th. And listen, all this is free for you for a year. We just want you to have that so that you can experience from us. We want you to walk in freedom. Now, while this gift is for everyone, there's still another group of people that we'd like to talk to. And those are people who maybe you haven't believed in Jesus yet. Or maybe you haven't made the decision to follow him and give your life to him yet. 
can we just start by saying we're sorry? You saw us apologize just a few moments ago to God for not loving people well. Maybe that included you, and this isn't a gimmick. This isn't a bait and switch. This isn't some show we're putting on because you don't have to look far to find terrible examples of abuse, scandal, hate-filled videos, posts, and hypocrisy from believers hating on each other and hating on the world. But can we just tell you we're so sorry? That is not what following Jesus is about. Following Jesus is about loving Jesus and sharing that love that we freely received freely with others. Remember Jesus' definition of love. He says, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And can I tell you that Jesus didn't just say this, walk away and never reference it again. This wasn't a hot take or a clickbait for Jesus. He actually did something more powerful than say it. He lived that verse out to his very last breath. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is a real historical person, died on a Roman cross, laying his life down for his friends, including you, if you will accept his request. Now, why did Jesus have to do that? Why did he have to die on a cross? Because we've all sinned. We've all messed up. There's not anybody in here who would say they're perfect. For sure, I wouldn't say that. There's actually a guy in the Bible who, before Jesus saved him, he was a murderer. In Romans 3.23, his name was Paul, and he writes down this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's glory, his perfection. All of us have sinned and fallen short. But here's good news. Jesus wants to give me and you the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a relationship with God. But unlike us, God is perfect. So we have God's perfection and our imperfection. And something had to cross that gap. Something had to pay the balance. Something had to pay the debt of our imperfection to meet God's perfection. And that is what Jesus dying on the cross is all about. Jesus lived a sinless life so that he could sacrifice himself, be the sacrifice that we couldn't be. Jesus' life is the definition of love. And can I point out to you that this wasn't easy? In preparation of Jesus going to the cross, some of his closest followers are there with him in a garden. And it's recorded, uh, this is recorded in Mark uh, 14. And Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus says to his disciples, hey, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed if it was possible that this hour, that the cross might pass from him. And Jesus prays this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering, the cross, please take it from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is overwhelmed to the point of death as he starts to know that our sin is going to come upon him. And I don't know what you've heard about Jesus. I don't know what you've seen on your shorts and things said about Jesus. But he suffered 
Why did Jesus suffer? Why did he go through that? So no matter where you find yourself, no matter what pain you've experienced, no matter what's been done to you or what you've done to other people, Jesus has been right there at the brink of dying for in pain so that he can walk you into a relationship with him. You don't have to get right. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to turn to him. But why was Jesus in such turmoil? Was it in anticipation for the pain of the cross? Was it the thought of all of his disciples abandoning him and him being all alone on that cross for our sin? Maybe. But I actually think it was because he knew when he took my sin on himself, when he took your sin on himself, it would be for the first time in eternity that he would be separated from the love of God. See, Jesus knew that sin, when we choose our own way, it separates us from God because, remember, he's perfect. And when Jesus took our sin on him, it would separate him from God. Why would God make Jesus do that? You remember back in Mark 14 when Jesus was praying, he said, God, if there's any other way, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. See, God and Jesus knew there was only one way to bridge the gap, the separation between our imperfection and God's perfection. And it was Jesus to take that separation on himself. Jesus was the only one who could take that separation, who could take that death and have the perfect love and the perfect power to come back and overcome that sin and overcome that death and offer us a gift of, of forgiveness and eternal life that we couldn't do on our own. Jesus experienced something that he did not deserve in being separated from God to offer us something that we did not deserve in being united with God. Jesus died to save you and me from our sins, to sever the separation of our imperfection, to give us access to the love of the Father that can never be taken from us if we'll accept Jesus' gift. And all you have to do to receive that gift of salvation, because it's a free gift because Jesus already paid the price, is to do what he tells us in Scripture. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, you declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we're going to do that all together here in just a moment. But can I share just one more warning from Jesus for you. Peter remembers a religious person because, hey, there's some people in here. You've been coming to church. You, you can play the game. You can raise your hands when you need to, but you still don't have a relationship with Jesus. Peter remembers Jesus and another guy talking, and the religious man is answering another what is question. What is the greatest commandment? And we see his answer in Mark 12. The religious guy says, well, it's to love him, that's God, with all your heart, with your understanding, and with your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the most important commandments, more important than offerings and any, any work that you could do. And Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. This is what Jesus said. You are not far, not that you are in, not that you have received, but you are not far from the kingdom of God. See, this religious person and Jesus both, uh, both agreed on the definition of salvation, but this religious leader was still not going to go to heaven. 
See, there's a difference between knowing and believing. There's a difference between saying and serving. There's a difference between liking and loving. Can I ask you, do you know of Jesus or do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus? Today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you think or what you believe about all these what is questions going on in our world, Jesus wants you. And listen, there's not a question, a fear, or a concern that Jesus does not have a loving answer for. I promise, please do not let what somebody else says on social media and your family or even you hold you back from the most precious love and forgiveness you could ever experience. If you are feeling drawn into a relationship with Jesus, all together we are going to declare with our mouth that he is Lord, and we want to ask you to join us. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but today you know it's real. Or maybe you've never prayed it. We're a family and we're going to do it together. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And let's declare that he is Lord together. Say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned, but I know you came to pay the debt of my sin, something I could never pay on my own. You lived for me, or you died for me, so I will live for you. Be Lord of my life. Be my first love. 